Hello, my name is Chihan Ai. I'm internist and hematologist um, at the Medical University of Vienna in Austria. I'm Jeffrey Weitz, professor of medicine and biochemistry at McMaster University in Canada. In, in, in recent years, NOAC such as rivaroxaban have become guideline recommended agents to be used in patients with cancer associated venous thromboembolism. Can we spend a few minutes just talking about the history of these evolving guidelines? We started with vitamin K antagonists, we moved to low molecular heparin, and now we're in the era of the NOACs. Can you just tell me briefly how we got to where we are today? Absolutely. So I love to talk about history. And uh, I mean, my experience uh, starts with uh, my clinical training in internal medicine and uh, hematology and oncology, where um, it was clear that uh, 15 years ago that we should use low molecular weight heparins for treating cancer-associated thrombosis for at least six months, because um, it was shown that um, in the so-called clot trials that low molecular weight heparins compared against vitamin K antagonists for treating cancer-associated thrombosis uh, was more effective uh, without increasing the risk of uh, bleeding. And that was the basis so for the guideline recommendations uh, since the early 2000s up until recently. And it was a long journey, as you know, um, because um, then with the uh, development and also the uh, introduction of DOAX for um, use of um, treatment and secondary prevention of VTE in the general population, we were still waiting for dedicated trials uh, that uh, compare DOAX with low molecular weight heparins. And uh, finally, uh, these trials were done. And uh, in 2018, the first trials were published and uh, where DOEX were compared to uh, low molecular weight heparins, and it was shown that they are non-inferior uh, compared to low molecular weight heparins uh, in treating uh, VT, in preventing recurrences, and um, there was some discussion about the risk of bleeding in these uh, trials, um, especially the risk of certain types of bleeding, such as GI bleeding, uh, with DOEX compared to low molecular weight heparins. Um, and uh, we have now uh, four uh, randomized controlled trials, and the recent one was published only a couple of weeks ago. So we have in total five trials where DOEX were compared to low molecular weight heparins uh, for treating venous thromboembolism in patients with active uh, cancer for at least um, a duration of uh, six months. And the meta-analysis of these trials show that in, in general, the DOACs are uh, significantly reducing the risk of recurrence uh, of VTE uh, compared to the um, low molecular weight heparins without significantly increase in risk of major bleeding, but there is a um, higher risk of clinical relevant non-major bleeding with the DOEX compared to the low molecular weight heparins. Yeah, I think that, that what's important when we use the NOACs in our patients with 
cancer-associated venous thromboembolism is to carefully select our patients. And uh, I, I still avoid the use of the NOAX in patients with uh, intraluminal tumors of the gastrointestinal tract, particularly those in the upper gastrointestinal tract, the, the stomach or the esophagus. And I even might be cautious in some patients with intact lower gastrointestinal cancers. But for all other patients, they've really revolutionized care. We have to be careful about the platelet count, though. If we have a patient with a low platelet count, uh, none of the studies included patients who had a platelet count below 50,000. So sometimes we have to use balanced <laughs> treatment with using the NOACs maybe to start, but if the platelet count goes down, switching them over to a low molecular weight heparin and then going back to the NOAC when the platelet count comes up again. But overall, I think the NOACs have really revolutionized the care of our patients with venous thromboembolism, whether they have cancer or not. I, yeah, absolutely, I agree. And this is also now uh, depicted and reflected in the uh, recent updated uh, guidelines for uh, management of cancer-associated thrombosis, where, uh, for instance, uh, if we look at the guidelines of the American Society of Hematology for uh, treating cancer-associated thrombosis, so they recommend um, uh, DOAX, uh, and in particular, uh, the anti-10A inhibitors, because they were tested here uh, in dedicated trials against low molecular heparin for uh, treating VTE, not only in the initial period, like drugs like um, Pixaban or Rivaroxaban, because they were developed to, to be used also in the acute uh, phase of the disease, but uh, also in the uh, prolonged um, uh, treatment uh, for at least six months, uh, according to the, to the studies that were um, uh, done, uh, to, to even to prefer the works over low-molecular heparins. But I mean, as you mentioned, there are clinical practice, some scenarios, some patients where we have to consider risk of uh, bleeding, um, and we have also to carefully select patients um, here. That's right. I, th I think we do have to carefully select the patients and uh, and carefully select which agent we're going to use. Jeff, do you know what I really like about the recent developments uh, is that we have there are specific dedicated programs who looked at the topic of uh, management of cancer-associated thrombosis as a whole from uh, questions addressing a questions from, from prophylaxis to treatment to patient satisfaction and quality of life. And, um, and, and, and thanks to this, let's say, DOAC movement, such huge programs like the Callisto program um, was set up where all these different uh, questions were addressed in specific studies. Uh, for instance, there are dedicated studies in the Callisto program where Rivaroxaban or the use of rivaroxaban has been tested for primary prevention of VTE in high-risk cancer patients. Um, and of course, there are dedicated trials for treatment of cancer-associated thrombosis. And um, I mean, there is one specific trial, the SELECT-T trial. So can you tell us a little bit about the key um, um, outcomes uh, of this study? 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the SELECT-D study took patients with cancer-associated venous thromboembolism and randomized them to rivaroxaban in the usual uh, treatment regimen for patients with acute venous thromboembolism or to daltaparin. And uh, rivaroxaban was more effective than daltaparin for prevention of recurrent venous thromboembolism, but was associated with more bleeding in, in select D, but the bleeding was restricted to patients with, um, with GI cancers, particularly upper GI cancers, something that we also saw pretty much at the same time in the Hokusai VTE cancer study. So this set the stage for the use of agents like uh, rivaroxaban for management of cancer-associated VTE, but also provided a warning about the importance of patient selection. And uh, I think that guidelines now embrace the use of the NOACs. And as you said, the, the, the NOACs that inhibit factor 10A, because dabigatran really hasn't been assessed in patients with cancer-associated venous thromboembolism, but they, they embrace the use of these agents in patients with cancer-associated VT, provided that you carefully select the patients and probably weed out the patients with um, upper GI malignancy, perhaps uh, also some patients with uh, bladder cancer who might be at risk for bleeding as well. And the nice thing about the Callisto program is, as you said, it, it goes beyond just the treatment studies, but also embraces studies uh, looking at prevention of primary prevention of, of thromboembolism in patients with cancer receiving chemotherapy to patient satisfaction and real-world evidence. So we get the, the complete picture of what's happening in our cancer patients with venous thromboembolism. I mean, we mentioned the Callisto trial, and, and um, I would like just to add, I mean, what is really wonderful and what we really wanted always to see were these studies investigating quality of life and pa patient satisfaction. There are two specific studies uh, where uh, results were published, the COSIMO trial and, uh, and the CONCO-11 study, where we have also seen that um, patients who have um, previously exposed to uh, low molecular heparins, so injections uh, daily, for treating their cancer-associated thrombosis, and then switched to a DOAC, they uh, experienced an improvement in their overall satisfaction and quality of life. And 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 uh, um, I think this is important because, uh, as we know, that uh, the problem with the low molecular heparins in the past that I have seen—I don't know if you have made the same experience—was, I mean, our cancer patients. So they were very therapy adherent in general, but they couldn't really keep going on with daily injections for six months or longer. And, and I, I hope um, this will also lead to improvement of um, therapy adherence and therapy persistence with the new options, with the oral drugs that we um, have. So do you have additional thoughts on, 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 on these aspects? Yeah, for sure that, uh, you know, adherence to low molecular weight heparin is, is problematic. Patients hate the need for daily injections. And I have many patients who get needle fatigue very early in the course of treatment and they're begging for an oral alternative. And it's nice to have an option 
for those patients. And so with the availability of tablets, then adherence is much better and patients are much happier about therapy. You also avoid all the uh, bruising at the subcutaneous injection sites. And I mean, finally, a, a, a big question and discussion is, of course, so we have the uh, randomized controlled trials. We have uh, studies like Cosimo and Conco looking at patient satisfaction and quality of life. But so there is um, more and more uh, real-world data um, about the effectiveness and tolerability of DOACs for treating cancer-associated thrombosis in clinical practice, especially with rivaroxaban, because this is uh, the, the drug that we use for treating VTE in, 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 in general, because it's, uh, it's one of the first um, drugs that we started to treat patients with uh, venous thromboembolism, so including deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism. So what do you think about these um, real-world studies um, on the use of DOACs and especially the use of rivaroxaban in patients with cancer-associated thrombosis? Well, I, I think it's really important to get real-world evidence because the patients that go into the clinical trials are, are highly selected and may not represent the patients that we see in practice every day. And the real-world evidence uh, studies, both with Rivaroxaban and to some extent with some of the other DOACs are reassuring in that they validate what we're seeing in the clinical trials with the Rivaroxaban being at least as effective as other therapies, including low molecular weight heparin, and uh, even uh, not associated with the increased bleeding that we saw in, say, Select D, probably reflecting the fact that uh, clinicians are choosing their patients carefully. And now we know which patients we should uh, use Rivaroxaban in and which patients we might want to avoid its use. I think this is a question that uh, will be addressed um, in upcoming studies, real-world studies with Rivaroxaban or other works for cancer-associated thrombosis, and um, only recently um, at ASH, uh, parts of the OSCAR studies uh, was presented. So the OSCAR program includes three observational studies gathering more real-world evidence on the use of rivaroxaban in clinical practices for uh, treating cancer-associated thrombosis. So there is the OSCAR US, uh, the OSCAR UK, and the OSCAR Sweden study, where I think um, we will hear more um, about uh, the use specifically of rivaroxaban in clinical uh, practice. And this will inform us um, about um, maybe patient selection um, again and um, what to consider for clinical practice. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we'll get more real-world evidence. We have to take the real-world evidence a bit with a grain of salt because it's not a randomized trial. So you you can have all kinds of bias as to why clinicians might choose one agent over another. But it is reassuring to see the fact that the NOACs can be used effectively in our patients with cancer-associated venous thromboembolism. And it's so important 
because Daltaparin, although it was uh, effective, it's so inconvenient for patients because they have to give an injection every day that adherence becomes a problem. So the availability of something that can be given orally is a great relief to my patients and I'm sure to yours. And they, there is nothing better than the day when they, you tell them that you can switch them over to a tablet or if you start them on a tablet from the get-go. Patients are, are so grateful to be able to stop the injections. And it's, it's what we saw in uh, the uh, quality of life studies like the Cosimo and the Conco 11 study. You can see it every day in your practice. So look, so it's, it's, it's great, uh, at, at least from my view, it's, it's, it's really uh, wonderful, uh, the progress that we have made over the last, let's say, one and a half, two decades. So when we have started uh, the transition from vitamin K antagonists to low-molecular heparins, then the low-molecular heparins were the standard of care for many, many years. And now we are at the next stage that we treat also our patients with cancer, the majority of them, of course, um, with uh, DOAX. And, and this is um, also reflected by the uh, recent uh, guidelines here. And um, finally, it's also good that all these uh, programs were uh, also accompanied by uh, quality of life studies, by patient satisfaction studies, just to show that this uh, is not just our, uh, let's say, perception that the works uh, are something good for the patient. So if we use them for the right patient, but also patients are very, help, uh, were very happy if they have this um, option here. So I think this was just for me, my concluding remark. So, uh, I mean, you have more experience in this field than I have. So uh, what's your conclusion about the evolution that we have uh, seen? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. We've seen a tremendous evolution in the treatment of patients with venous thromboembolism in general with the introduction of the NOAX and with the cancer-associated uh, venous thromboembolism in particular. It's great to talk to you, Jeff, about this topic. Um, and I really look forward uh, to all the um, next steps and studies that will come. This podcast is funded by Bayer AG and the approval code is PPMRIVALL024211.